Good morning to you. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to Brunch with me, Sadia. I'm sitting in for Noreen and you know me. When I get the opportunity and I get to do the programme, then I bring in Jayang Javeri because I love getting into his music box to find out what's on offer. And let me just say good morning to him at the moment. He's just joined me in the studio. Good morning. Good morning, Sadia. It's just so nice to be back here again. Yeah, always nice. I always kind of drag you in and think, oh, come on, can, let's just do a JJ's music box. And what do you have in store for us today? Well, today I go back to my college days um, in Boston. Bombay uh-huh. um, during the mid 80s and which is when I discovered this uh, duo um, you know you discover a lot very late in life <laughs> tell me about it right yeah well okay. and I think that 16 is late in life okay. to discover Simon and Garfunkel <laughs> okay so I discovered Simon and Garfunkel then and um, I literally for two years me and a classmate of mine uh, binged on Simon and Garfunkel. Oh, right. Okay. Right. And um, it just lay, uh, made such a deep impression on all of us. And some of the songs were sung like anthems. You know what college days were like. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So today, as I was um, uh, picking the tracks for the show, it just took me to a different time. Um, you went back in time. Then, yes, when we were still innocent. <laughs> Mostly. <laughs> Some of us are still innocent uh, now. <laughs> so, uh, yes, and this is one of the most popular uh, and most successful divorce of all time. Um, uh, in fact, uh, I don't know what pleasure some of these institutions get out of ranking things. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot of these ranking is pretty unfair, but the third most popular duo in the history of music um they have had 14 grammys wow of which there were four hall of fame and one lifetime achievement award but what's most interesting is the breadth of their uh repertoire um started with folk rock and then incorporated different elements of different kinds of music and one of the things that i do like about them is that they revived folk music For instance, this one particular ballad that we're just going to listen to is an old English ballad. And just the way they have done it and the way that it was recorded was that you had Paul Simon singing the main bit and then you had uh, Art Garfunkel singing uh, another poem in counterpoint. And there are two poems going hand in hand here. So just let's listen to this. Scarborough Fair Parsley, sage, rosemary and thyme Remember me to one who lives there She once was a true love of mine Sweet sage, rosemary, and thyme. Without no 
Beautiful track. That's Simon Garfunkel and Scarborough Fair. And you know, Jane, I was mm-hmm. just saying while that was on that the number of times I've listened to that track and loved it. I've always loved it. But you know, today when you mentioned that there's this kind of parallel poem going on, I was listening to it and and it was always there in the background, but I never really thought of it as an, a separate poem in itself that was, that was actually going as that was being sung. Well, the clue to that is in the title of the track. So it's Scarborough Fair Stroke Canticle. Mm-hmm. And the canticle was a, uh, originally written by Paul Simon, but it was then rewritten by Art Garfunkel. So you, this whole thing is double-tracked, right? So mm. you've got both of them harmonising on Scarborough Fair and then you've got both of them also harmonising on Canticle mm. and they had this thing running. It's, it's sublime is yeah. the word that I'd use yeah. for it. It's absolutely beautiful. And, and you know, I've been listening to that for years and years. Just And it always sounds wonderful. It, never, it doesn't age at all, does yeah, it? Yeah, it's one of those uh, songs which, again, has been done and redone mangled and remangled <laughs> but I, I have to sell, tell you this to so the best uh, the uh, the only other rendition of this which i really fell in love with was by a choir oh, right. i think it was by the welsh bbc welsh choir mm-hmm. and it was in one of those annual queen's concert the royal concert um and if i remember the year was 1986 and i distinctly uh, remember watching a recording of that um uh, at that time, and I was just taken aback. And it, it came in as a medley, as mm-hmm. part of a medley, but it was, again, sublime is the word. Mm. It was just, they raised it to another level, and that's why I said that that's the only other rendition of it that I really like. Wow, we'll have to dig that out at some point and play it if we sure, can. Sure, sure. Mm. So tell me about them now. You know, when did this all start for them? So they met in school. 
apparently. Uh, both of them grew up in a Jewish neighborhood in, New in uh, Queens, New Jersey. Mm -hmm. And they met in school and um, they saw that, uh, you know, both of them had a common interest in uh, music, especially rock music, and uh, that they could harmonize. They used to try and harmonize. And that became their hallmark. And then they sort of da uh, tried their hand at songwriting and they released their first single in 1957. They were actually discovered uh, somewhere. And uh, they released their first single in, single in 1957. Uh, and after that, uh, off and on, they did stuff. Uh, and, um, you know, their parents kind of encouraged them to study. Um, because just in case music did not take off as a career. So Art Garfunkel was, uh, had a passion for maths, mathematics, mm -hmm. and Paul Simon studied literature, uh, both at different universities in New York. And then they came back together um, uh, as a, a band. So originally, this guy who had recorded them in 1957 asked them to do a couple of other a um, uh, few singles. And they came together as Tom and Jerry. All right. Okay. Okay. I'm glad that didn't stick. <laughs> well, apparently did. And then, you know, one thing led to another. And in, in 1963, I think, um, they um, were given a contract by Columbia to do an album. And the album was called Wednesday Morning, 9 a.m. Mm-hmm. And uh, they s insisted that they would come as themselves. That is, they would not use any pseudonyms. Mm -hmm. So that's how Simon and Garfunkel came into existence. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, that album didn't do well. Oh, Apparently, in that first lot, it only sold something like 3,000 copies. And uh, uh, then what happened was that one of the songs, Sound of Silence, after a few years was reprised. Uh, it was remixed with rock guitars. And somehow, you know, you, you see how, what part luck plays in all this? They just caught on as a huge radio hit. Mm -hmm. And then that led to another album called Sound of Silence. Uh, Sounds of Silence. One, yeah. yeah, so we, we're not going to play that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Actually, there are two songs which they're really known for, but I'm not going to play oh, them. Right. Okay. I think I played one earlier on anyway. So, All right. <laughs> so um, then that, uh, and that album was done very quickly mm -hmm. and it was rushed and released, but it did extremely well. Um, and um, then... Uh, they recorded this other album in 1967, which was called Parsley, Sage, Rosemary and Time. Mm -hmm. And um, that really put them on the, uh, I mean, they, they made their real mark with that album mm -hmm. because of the variety of stuff that they could do. Um, um, just the, the different genres. They, there was a lot of experimentation there. And they did come for some criticism. They sounded too polished, some people said. They were not very much in with the psychedelic era of that time. Some people said they were too collegiate. Um, and uh, nonetheless, they developed a big fan following. They were uh, A lot of these songs were radio hits. And what really catapulted them into the big time, of course, was this song which was used in the Dustin Hoffman star, The Graduate. Yeah. Yeah. You remember watching that yes, movie? Yes, right? I remember watching the film. Yeah. And um, 
this song was actually recorded as a single um, and um, was la- released on an album called Bookends, but it was also used in the movie. As a matter of fact, the director of the movie, um, I think it was a guy called Nichols, was in, I mean, he loved Simon and Garfunkel. He would listen to their LPs all the time. Uh, before and after filming and he approached their manager saying hey you know can they do some music for me and Paul Simon said mm, doing music for a film kind of thing you know mm-hmm. but then they gave them him some songs and he didn't particularly like some of the stuff that the new stuff that they had given him but uh, so Paul Simon says all right look you know we're working on this song it's half done do you like it and he gave him the song and uh, Nichols loved it and therefore it became part of the track and uh, was one of their biggest hits. Just let's listen to it. Thank 
Simon and Garfunkel and Mrs. Robinson. A very distinct track, that, and a great movie from 1967. Wow, I remember watching. Not that I watched it in 1967, but I do (laughs) remember watching. And Dustin Hoffman was very young in that, wasn't he? Sure, yes, yes. I remember watching it. I saw it in 1986, nearly nearly, um, 20 years afterwards, you know. Well, I guess at that time, I was probably at that age where I could understand what what was going on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because, I mean, for that time, it was probably quite a a kind of risque film, really. I mean, oh, yes. the whole concept of what was going on in that film. I know people have seen it, but, you know, I'm just not going to elaborate at this point. But what do you think? Yeah, sometimes some of these films that you um, uh, watch the, today from that time, you kind of go, okay, big deal. Yeah, <laughs> at that time, it at was that probably time quite it was, shocking. Yeah, it, was, it must have shocked a lot of sensibilities. Do you think that that maybe had an influencing factor in terms of, did you think that maybe Simon Garfunkel had to think twice about, say, doing a a track for that particular film because of the potential risks? No, no, not at all. If you look at their lyrics, even in some of the songs preceding, I mean, in um, albums like uh, um, uh, Parsley, Sage, Rosemary and Time, etc., they could push the envelope quite a bit. Oh, right. You know, I mean, it was usually... um, I mean, it's not that they used innuendo or anything of that sort, but uh, they did tackle subjects. Um, for instance, they did a, um, a track, a version of Silent Night, mm-hmm. which was juxtaposed with a news broadcast of the Vietnam War. Okay. So they were already in with that generation. They were they were already in with uh, that whole era of protest and uh, of flower power and mm-hmm. uh, all of the uh, rebellion and the re- that was kind of vibrant time. The very anyway, very wasn't yeah. It, it was there was it was a great deal of ferment of ideologies of thought and all sorts of things mm-hmm. at that time. Mm-hmm. So they were in with that. But um, after uh, The Graduate, um, there was a while for, for which Paul Simon kind of had writer's block. He couldn't figure out what to come out with. And um, and also, somehow, the relationship between Paul Simon and Art Garf- Garfunkel got a little strained. Mm-hmm. Um, artistic reasons and also seeds of that were sown before they be, they became Simon and Garfunkel, when you know they used to perform as Tom and Jerry, and uh, one fine day Paul Simon decided to release a solo record, oh. and Art Garfunkel kind of did not like it, okay. you know, and he kind of thought it of it as betrayal, and that came back to haunt both of them again and again, oh. um, in their careers. So. Yeah, and then uh, somehow uh, uh, Bridge Over Troubled Water happened, mm-hmm. you know, the, that album. And uh, again, there's another song that I'm not going to play. I think you've played that yeah, before. Yeah, I played that yeah. earlier on because I was saying that you're going to be on and, and it, it is one. That, now, why is it that you are not keen on that? Because that seems to be one of the most popular tracks. It is incredibly popular, isn't it? There was a time when I used to really like it. And now I find it a bit on the soppy side. And, you know, there's another criticism which is leveled at uh, Simon and G. And that's um, that these are songs for loners. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. So you don't want to associate. No, 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 no. It's not that. It's not that. I think it's unfair, that criticism, actually. You know, because you could you could level that at anybody, for God's sake. Yeah. Yeah. You know, 
I think that their artistry, their songwriting, and the way that you know their and their arrangements, for goodness' sake, um, you know, even if song like Scarborough Fair Canticle, who'd have thought of using a harpsichord and plucked guitars and so on and so forth, and then you know, as you heard, Robinson, you know, had some Latin elements in in there, so they were very progressive in the terms in terms of the sounds that they uh, used. Mm-hmm. So, um, in any case, I think we'll talk a little bit more about this uh, yeah, after the news. We will. We've got the news headlines coming up next, and we will carry on just after that. It's 11.31, back to JJ's Music Box. Now, we were just talking just before the news headlines, and you mentioned that, you know, we were going to, there's a particular track that you do want to play before we finish up. Mm. But any other information about these the guys that we need to know? Well, yes. Unfortunately, Bridge Over Troubled Water was their last album together. Oh, really? Yeah, and then they kind of went their separate ways. Um, They did come back for concerts, uh, come back together for concerts, and even two or three concert tours, and one very uh, significant show in 1980 in uh, the Madison Square Garden, no, Central Park. which still has the record for one of the biggest at ever attendances, 500,000 people. It was a free show. No um, wonder. <laughs> well, yes. But, you know, for them, yeah. you, you still the power of their music. Amazing. And this remember, this was a time when neither of their careers was doing very well. Mm-hmm. You know, and yet, you know, to be to attract that kind of crowd, it just tells you how timeless that music is. Yeah, and it still sounds absolutely fantastic. Yes, I mean, like- and then they came back for another for another tour in nineteen early nineteen nineties. But uh, even on tour, you know, they'd have their tiffs and. Uh, Paul Simon worried about Art Garfunkel smoking, you know, and then later on Art, Art Garfunkel developed problems with his vocal cords, um, couldn't do justice to songs, etc. They apparently had their last tour together in 2010. Okay. So, but then Paul Simon retired, uh, announced his retirement in 2019. Both of them are 81 years old at the moment. They had a pretty long stint together, though, didn't they? I mean, even 2010 isn't that far, you know, it's, what, 10 years ago? Yeah, I mean, they kind of have been coming together and splitting uh, Mm -hmm. all throughout and, you know, and then, you know, saying, I wouldn't say rude, but uh, definitely um, a little... Peeved, making peeved comments about each other, saying mm. that uh, you know it just doesn't work. I mean, you have things like Art Garfunkel um, when accepting the Lifetime Achievement Award, saying that uh, you know he really th- is thankful, he feels blessed because he had somebody like Paul Simon um, giving him such great melodies and through um, being singing through him, you know he's enriched his life, you know. And Paul Simon kind of went, yes, you know, I did enrich his life and, you know, stuff like that. Or Paul Simon saying that, you know, we do, I do wish that before we die, we could make peace with each other. But there is no rush. Oh, gosh. Yeah, but you do find that the best of these people who do these partnerships, there's a great chemistry when they're working together, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're big buddies or anything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, they're just, it's just the chemistry that works with them, isn't it? Absolutely. Uh, I think that maybe outside the studio, it was not really, things didn't work out for them, but they gave us some lovely music Mm -hmm. and they gave us some timeless uh, melodies. And that is what we are going to um, remember them for. Mm-hmm. And so this last track that I have chosen is from their last album. 
Um, notice that uh, it starts off in a very minimalist fashion. Mm-hmm. and then it you know grows and it expands and you know there's a lot of add-ons and you'll hear strings at the end which you'd never hear throughout the track again you know this was an album where you won't hear too many of their harmonies as they used to and it kind of shows you where you know that this was the beginning of the end so to speak in terms of their collaborative phase okay well it's, right. a, it's a good one to perhaps end on and i want to say thank you actually jang for coming in because you know simon garfunkel one of my favorites and it's been really great just talking about some of the music some things i didn't know at all like usual so thank you so much and now this particular track is called boxer okay thank you ever so much thank you sadia Just a poor boy, though my story is seldom told I have squandered my resistance For a pocket full of mumbles, such are promises All lies and chest, still a man hears what he wants to hear And disregards the rest No more than a boy in the company of strangers In the quiet of the railway station Let him scare Laying low, seeking out the poor quarters Where the ragged people go Looking for the places only they would know Of every glove that laid him down Or cut him till he cried out 
In his anger and his shame, I am leaving, I am leaving, but the fighter still remains.